something happened this week that I've witnessed before occurring in my life. Prepared to go to bed one night, was watching a little TV, and I saw an ad for sleep aid. And then the next morning when I woke up, I was watching the news, I saw an ad for a stimulant. Sleep aid, stimulant. Sleep aid, stimulant. Stimulant, sleep aid. I've seen this pattern before. Power up, power down. Uppers, downers. Turn ourselves on, turn ourselves off. Kind of like we're a machine. And here's the thing. When it comes to sleep, that machine actually isn't doing so well. The most recent data I've seen on this is that we're a pretty underslept society indicated by the fact that 60 million sleeping aid prescriptions are currently written. And that's just the legal stuff. (laughs) Think about all the other things we can take to try to get ourselves to rest. There are a lot of issues with sleep and health and the connection between them, or perhaps the disconnection between them and our society right now, as busy as so many of ourselves find us. And so I want to put that into, and this kind of stuff into the context of today's Stories with Soul message. One of my favorite stories. Good night, Moon. About this little child slash bunny rabbit who goes around at bedtime throughout everything in their room, everything familiar to them, and names it and then says good night to it. Good night, Moon. Good night, Brush. Good night, Old Lady whispering hush. Good night, Stars. Good night, Air. Good night, Noises everywhere. Just Saying those words, it's like conjuring a spell of calm within my heart. This story has been with me for a very long time. It is, I still find it, incredibly comforting. Psychologically, this is for a very simple book, in fact, a very insightful book, because what it's demonstrating is what psychologists, developmental psychologists, call object permanence. Some of you know this. That's what that child is checking in with. That child slash bunny is checking in with. If I close my eyes and I go to sleep, will the world still be there? Is there something reliable? Is there something trustworthy? Is there something durable in this life? It's a basic trust, a taking refuge, as the Buddhist tradition might say, that the child knows they can rest because the world still continues on and is reliable. This is a favorite story of mine. It goes all the way back in my life to before I was able to make memories about it. And so the story is still told. Sometimes when my father is reflecting on his grandchildren, my nieces, and we'll maybe talk about Goodnight Moon, he will talk about the fact that I didn't call it the red balloon. I called it the red balloon because I was not able to pronounce balloon yet. And so this has a place deep within my soul. And I have to be honest... I was not always that calm of a child or an adult. So another child slash bunny comes to mind. (laughs) Some of you will recognize this. The alternative comic from the 1980s, Life in Hell, Matt Groening, the precursor before the wildly successful Simpsons. Some of you are looking at me blankly. I know I'm such a Gen X person here. This is like mother's milk for me here. Well, this is the little one-eared rabbit, Bongo, 
who is beset by the problems of the world. And sometimes we'll ask his dad really big questions before bedtime. What happens after we die? Why do so many people suffer? Why is there so much injustice? Tell me about God. All the big questions that his father has absolutely no adequate answers for. And so we see little Bongo here, wide awake, staring at the ceiling, overcome by uncertainty and fear and the feeling of the unreliability of life. All the big questions that if we're honest, none of us has absolute answers for. All the kinds of questions that sometimes really come home to roost in our lives, individually and collectively. We feel the unreliability of this world. I mean, we don't need to go far at all beyond this past week to really feel sometimes the way those trap doors open up underneath our feet. The second huge Life-taking, life-transforming, devastating earthquake. 7.4 in Nepal that has killed so many and rendered so many more homeless. And then closer to our home in northeast Philadelphia, as so many of us were transfixed by it this past week, the Amtrak derailment that took, I think last count was eight lives and injured so many others. Sometimes we really remember how unreliable life can seem, how things fall apart. And for some of us, this may be connected to that inability to rest. The ruminating mind, the bongo mind of turning things over and over and over and over and over again until we are like the hamster in the wheel, running and running and running and exhausting themselves, but somehow seemingly unable to stop. I think that this is one of the contributing factors to our over-busy, over-scheduled world that does not rest according to the cycles of light and dark any longer. This underslept society, this lack of rest society, this ruminating space in our minds that occupies many of us. How many of you have ever heard yourself say these words, I didn't sleep last night very well because I couldn't shut my brain off. That's most of you. I couldn't shut my brain off. At this time of the year, this commencement time of the year, I remember the author David Foster Wallace's wonderful words to the 2005 graduating class of Kenyon College. It's been transformed to something now that people call This is Water, a wonderful 10-minute distillation of that commencement address down into a video. And it's beautiful. But there's one thing that they left out of the video that's actually my favorite line in that entire 20-minute address, and it's this. When David Foster Wallace is talking about the ways in which we can be disconnected from our lives and kind of stay in our own heads and get lost there, he has this wonderful phrase. He says, we can live as if we are lords of our own, of our own tiny skull-sized kingdom alone at the center of all creation. Lords of our own tiny skull-sized kingdom alone at the center of all creation. I see some of you nudging each other there in the back. I love that image from the 
wonderful writer, Skull-Sized Kingdom, he's talking about that ruminating, that thinking, are somehow, even against our own better intentions, desire to identify our lives, our value, our hearts with what goes on simply with our thinking. This being lost in thought, lost in our heads, and because of that so lonely and sometimes being unable to rest. It reminds me of this great old New Yorker cartoon that some of you might have seen before. I'm nothing, and yet I'm all I can think about. (laughs) Sad sack guy sitting at the bar, pour me another one. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm nothing, yet I'm all I can think about. We are, my friends, so many of us, the unhappy children of Descartes. I think, therefore I am. One of the worst philosophical teachings of all time. Literally it is because it was based on a mistrust of everything that was not thought. Split off from thought. The body. The earth. Other people. All these things that in fact can invite us beyond our heads. And getting out of our heads. And I have to tell you. That I believe that one of the worst offenders in carrying on the unfortunate, unhappy, suffering tradition of Descartes is sometimes what is called New Age spirituality. Maybe you've heard this. The only thing that is real in the world are your thoughts. Oh, if that's all I had to hang my hopes on, I'm done. And there's actually a great satire of this in a movie from a number of years ago called A Perfect Getaway. It's kind of a instantly forgettable but kind of like very enjoyable little cupcake of an action-adventure movie. And it's a murder mystery. And in like the last eighth of the movie, we find out who the murderer is. And the guy like really takes this thing to heart about thoughts being the only real thing. I think, therefore I am. And it's kind of skillfully done on the screen because we see him describing the power of his thoughts over other people, over reality. And so we see him no longer thinking about people who are further away in the frame and he turns his gaze away from them and they stop. Their reality ends when he is no longer thinking about them. My friends, this is not a recipe for enlightenment. This is a recipe for psychosis. (laughs) There's no connection there. There's no larger life there. Like an animal caught in a trap, who the more they struggle, the more they are ensnared. More thinking will not release us from the traps that thinking have created in the first place. So rather than thinking what we need is thought control somehow, that what we need to do is be on guard against our thoughts, rather than thought control, we can learn to be kind to and with our minds. It's one of the reasons that spiritually I think it's so much more important than rather putting an emphasis on the thoughts we think, it is much more important to put an emphasis on the quality of awareness that we have. The quality of awareness that allows us to stay in touch, yes, with thoughts, yes, with emotions, yes, with our bodies, and yes, with other people's lives, and the whole of creation. It's one of the reasons that if you ever heard the phrase, free your mind and your ass will follow, I actually think that's not right ordered. Because very often when people say, free your mind, they're talking about free your thoughts, think different thoughts, free your mind and your ass will follow. No, free your ass and your mind will follow. It's like the great Catholic contemplative teacher Richard Rohr says, We don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. 
free our asses and our minds will follow. Our thoughts will then change. Because that's exactly, by the way, what's happening here with the little kid slash bunny. He is free in his ass. <laughs> what he's doing right he might be anxious about going to sleep oh my god is the world still going to be there if i go to sleep if i have this little death of sleep this little going unconscious is the world still going to be there and so what he's doing is literally he gets his ass out of bed and he goes and he pays attention to all of these beloved objects and he's able to rest because of that all awareness is truly embodied awareness not just thought awareness If we allow ourselves this kind of awareness, we can reconnect with that larger life force, whatever you call it. We can reconnect even after we've grown up a little while and we know sometimes deep in our bones through the most painful of ways that everything is not going to be easy and not everything is going to be all right. But it doesn't mean that that larger awareness still cannot hold us in this life in powerful ways. Some of you that I am Facebook friends with may have uh, recognized some of my posts over the last few weeks that I've been leading a mindfulness-based group with a really interesting group of people to work with. Young, and I mean young, (laughs) The oldest guy in the group is like 21 or 22. They're like teenagers. Young, male, recently recovering addicts in a halfway house in Pottstown. This is not a group that I can do 25-minute or 30-minute body scan meditations with. (laughs) I cannot hold their attention that long. They can't hold their attention that long. But you know what? They know because of their experience and their sufferings and their strugglings, they know what that phrase stinking thinking means. They know what it's like to be trapped inside of their thoughts and to recognize that they're the hamster on the wheel who has completely exhausted themselves. They're, they're, they're spiritually willing. They're teachable. They're coachable. And so we've been working with really basic mindfulness techniques of what it is to open up to thoughts, not to treat them as an enemy, but that we don't have to believe everything we think. And to return our focus to sounds, to the environment, to the body, and to the breath. And the guys get this. One of them got it real well this past week when we were checking in about how practice was going. He said that my normal routine is that I'm busy all throughout the day and I just keep myself engaged. So I don't have to worry about stuff. And then I get in bed at night and he's like bongo. He just stares at the ceiling, running through that scenery of all that mental landscape over and over and over again. And he cannot rest. What he said is this past week. I took three deep breaths. You can join with me, folks. And he said it's not like he just put the thoughts out of his head. (laughs) But that as he continuously returned his awareness to his breath, the thoughts became less inflamed. They became less overwhelming. There's a reason that the ancients called 
so often the same word for spirit, the same word for breath. You can call it God consciousness, Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, basic universal awareness, whatever. But in this basic capacity of awareness and being aware, we recognize how connected we are and that there is something larger than the separate ego identity that wants to figure it all out, that wants to fix it. And we recognize how often then we disconnect ourselves from our lives, what we love from each other, from our own hearts, because we want to fix it. But awareness isn't about fixing anything. It's about healing our relationship with life. It is one of the most blessed ironies that I have discovered in my life, which is that there is a profound connection between my ability to awaken, to be awake and aware, and to allow myself the opportunity for real rest. I still have nights, fortunately less frequent than they were at other times in my life, in which the thoughts keep me up or I anesthetize myself to get away from the thoughts. The sleepless nights don't come around as much anymore. But the truth is they're still here sometimes. A couple weeks ago, I had a tough night, slept on and off and on and off fitfully between the hours of midnight and four, and it felt like I had not really gotten any sleep whatsoever. Until, you know, the sun started to rise around 4.30 or 5 and dawn started to come. And all of a sudden, I heard outside of our open window, I don't know what kind of bird this is, but bird song. The sound of the earth and of one particular creature waking up. And placing my awareness on that beautiful bird song, sleep came before I knew what was happening to me. Awakening with awareness, loving awareness, finally invites us to remember that the world does not rest on us and we can rest. This is the heart of all mature spirituality, that we are connected to what sustains. And yeah, it's not the trust of everything's going to work out all the time or we're all going to get happy endings or the world is always reliable. But it's the trust simply of this. I am connected to that which sustains. In fact, in this awareness of that which sustains us, we can even turn toward our anxieties, our worries, our fears, our recognition of the fact that life is so often unreliable. And instead of getting lost in the content of the story, instead of getting dragged away like our minds are barely hanging on to a 5,000-pound dog that we can barely clutch the leash. What we can actually do is some compassionate inquiry in that moment. Not getting lost in the story, we can actually see that the compassion is there in the worry already. That we wouldn't be so concerned unless we had hearts that wanted to open. And we don't have to get lost in our heads. We can feel the sustaining connection even in the midst of what troubles us. It's one of the reasons I absolutely love the phrase from the Christian scriptures. Come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I understand that teaching 
in connection with this loving universal awareness that is our birthright simply because we are alive. It can loosen the bonds, the trap of losing our lives to our thoughts over and over again. Because ultimately this is what I believe more than anything else, whatever you choose to call it. That this loving awareness holds us, sustains us, and that this loving awareness is us. May you be blessed by loving awareness today. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. O sacred, unending, loving awareness. May we allow ourselves to see when we are ensnared by the traps that our minds set up for us. And may we also recognize, as the words of the wise scientist said, that the same consciousness that created the problem can't be the consciousness that solves the problem. May we allow ourselves to go deeper and further down and in and open up to that sustaining, beloved, blessed awareness that can encourage us back into this life, back into conscious connection, back into belovedness, back into recognizing that although we get lost and we stray, sometimes out of that fear about how unreliable life can seem, there's always that invitation calling us back, even when we can't fix, to focus, to open, to pause, and to take a breath, and to know the connection that sustains. Amen.